You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, this morning we want to look at some scriptures and I trust the Holy Spirit to help the teacher and to help the hearers. Amen? So that we can receive what God has prepared for us on this beautiful day, 26th day of June, year 2022. Hallelujah. Come with me to Second Kings. We're going to be reading a passage that uh, I would want to say we should be familiar with. We'll be reading from Second Kings chapter 6, verse 24, and we'll read on to chapter 7 and maybe stop somewhere. Amen? Are we ready to read? Let's read together from 24. And it happened after this. That Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. And one-fourth of a cup of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the world, A woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my Lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the winepress? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she answered, This woman said to me, Give your son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, Give your son that we may eat. But she has hidden her son. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman, that he tore his clothes, and as he passed by on the wall, the people looked, and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how the son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him. And while he was still talking with them, There was a messenger coming down to him. Then the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Verse 2, so an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? 
And he said, in fact, the prophet answered, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Verse 3 says, now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we'll enter the city, the famine is there in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. May the Lord surprise someone in Jesus' name. Pleasant surprise in the name of Jesus. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Let's stop here for now. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Now, I want to bring us to meditate and um, look into this, um, what I will call the theme, Where is God? Praise the Lord. Our, Our text begins by telling us that there was a famine. The king of Syria besieged Samaria. And the famine arose. And the famine got so bad that a donkey's head is you. <laughs> I think goat's head is, used to be one five. How much is it now? Sorry? Okay. So they said it's now sold for 80 shekels of silver. Okay? It really got bad. And, um, you know, situations often find us in a way that God's people are want to ask, Where is God? It could be in a personal situation, maybe health-wise, maybe finances, maybe job, maybe family challenges. Or maybe, you know, for those of us who are Nigerians, if you're Nigerian, you're wondering. You look at other nations and you just wonder, where is God? Most of us now I traveled, but, you know, as you listen to the news from Nigeria... If your heart is here, you can't be away. It breaks your heart. I think it was the first Sunday or the second that, you know, after church, just trying to get, he said they killed so many people in church, you know. And then the next day, you know what begins to happen? Primaries. Declaration. You see, it's not just that bad things happen, but even the response and the coordination and all of that. You just say, where is God? And that's what the situation was here. In Samaria at this time, it got so bad that as we could see in the story, the women began to negotiate. We'll eat, you know, my son today and we'll eat your son tomorrow. And this morning, I want us to look into the scriptures and see how the Holy Spirit will help us navigate. Because I know a lot of people are asking this question. And even if we are not asking it, our enemies are asking it. They say, where is their God now? Praise the Lord, somebody. But the Bible says, Isaiah 57, 15, 
It says, for thoughts, let's read it together. It says, for thoughts says the high and lofty one. Who what? Inhabits eternity. Whose name is holy. He said, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him who has a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now, I want you to see something there. The Lord lives in eternity. Praise the Lord. Can you give us message amplified? A message from the towering God. From the high and towering God. Who lives where? In eternity. Now, God is eternal, which means God lives for, God is forever. Amen? So, God lives forever. Is the length, the duration of his life. But the scripture this morning is not telling us duration. It's telling us address. Is somebody with me? He said, God lives where? I live in Abuja. God lives where? In eternity. Where is God? God is in eternity. Praise the Lord, somebody. Now, if God is in eternity, it means God visits time. I pray God will visit you in time in Jesus' name. No matter the situation, child of God, you and I must never be confused as to where God is. God inhabits eternity. That's why, okay, I'm preempting myself. Let's finish with this text. So it says he inhabits eternity. And then he went on and said, it says, we can go back to King James. It says, I dwell in the high and holy place. This is another location. Where is God? He is in eternity, one. And then where again do, does he say he is? He's in the high and holy place. Now, but he went on and said, in this holy place, where, what do I do? I says, I also dwell what? with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. So it means God is living in somebody here. Praise the Lord. So God inhabits, God lives in eternity, God lives in the high and holy place, but God has another address. He lives also in the one who has what? A contrite and humble spirit. The New Testament has told us that the Holy Spirit dwells where? Within us. Praise the Lord. Okay. And it says he lives there to do one thing, to revive the spirit, to quicken the spirit. Of the humble and contrite ones. It means that if I'm not careful, I might make my heart unconducive for God to live in. Are you following? He say, with him, not with everybody. With him, what's the qualification of this person? Who has what? A contrite and humble spirit. Now, the good news about what we're trying to look at this morning. Is that often situations and adversity makes us humble and leads us to the place of contrite, you know, contriteness of heart. So I think we can access God. Praise the Lord. Where is God in this situation? Where is God in our nation? Let's take it from another angle. No matter how dark a situation may appear or turn, from the revelation of scriptures, from what is recorded in the Bible, we must remember, very important, that God introduced himself to us 
in the darkness of the earth. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 says what? And the earth was without form and, and what, what? And darkness was on the face of the deep. So God introduced himself to us. Even in the darkness of the earth. What I'm trying to get us to is this. Never for once negotiate God out of a situation. No matter how bad it seems. You know why? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. When it came to the case of Lazarus, the family said, he's been dead for how long? Four days. And they also said, oh, we wish you had been here earlier. But you see, mercy pressed beyond their expectations. Somebody this morning, you have to wake up your expectation. Are you with me? Mercy pressed beyond the expectation because as far as they were concerned, Lazarus was dead and buried like we say. But because God introduced himself in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God did not find a conducive environment to create with. God did not visit the earth and saw raw materials put together. Are you with me? Now, the Bible also says somewhere, Psalm 139 verse 12. The psalm is speaking there. He made a statement. He said the darkness and the light are the same before God. We're laying a foundation here. So, we read the text and it gets so bad in this environment that women turn cannibals and begin to eat not somebody's children, their own children. Where is God? God was there. God was in eternity. God was hovering. God was looking. God was waiting. God was not incapacitated. God was not suspended. Just like the same also in the case of the uh, nation of Israel. When Koloya challenged the armies of Israel. If you read the story, it's in 1 Samuel 17. The Bible described all the army of Koloya and said, Every day, he will come and challenge the army of Israel and taunt them and harass them and do all of that to them. And then verse 16, I believe, said this he did for 40 days until David came. So God had been there from day one. So Goliath reigned because nobody saw that God was still available. Because what did David say? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of Israel? Mm -mm. The armies of the living God. You know why? Once you answer that question wrong, everything begins to collapse. That's why we're asking it. Where is God? God is. Let me tell you something. You know, Every Christian knows that we live by faith. Faith is fundamental. Faith is everything to us. Praise the Lord. By faith, we also have our salvation. Let me tell you something about faith. Hebrews 11 says, verse 6, it said, He that comes to God must believe that what? He is. The fundamental of faith is that God is. It doesn't matter what has happened. It doesn't matter what is happening. 
It doesn't matter what appears to be happening. It doesn't matter how powerful or how unfortunate an event is. At the moment you acknowledge God is, you're getting ready for a turnaround. He that comes to God must what? Must believe that God is. The way the Bible places that, that he is. Now, the thing there is this. That is not all. This, the writers, the Holy Spirit in the scripture now says, and so he is his first level. If we establish that, we have moved ahead. But that's not where it ends. Because in the case of Israel that we referred to and David, David said to them, this man, God would deliver this giant, would deliver him what? Into my hand. So God acts in his world. The trials, the challenges of life come to make you to discount God from life. You begin to feel that God doesn't act in his world again. That's why those women would look at one another and say, let's eat our sons. Everybody, and that is what difficulties do. You know, some time ago, many years ago, I preached, you know, we preached in, in church, dog eat dog. You see, we are in a situation in Nigeria where wickedness is normal because life is hard. Everybody is mean to everybody. Wickedness is common because things are bad. You don't know how this, you know, everybody wants to eat and chop up and, you know, chop up everybody. Why? Because it's as though God has left us to ourselves. I, I don't know if you heard the story of the man, you know, so, some man that one of those, you know, one of the thousands that were kidnapped in Kaduna. And, and the man finally was released. But he was saying they should have killed him. Because by the time he came out, they sold, I think he was a pharmacist, that sold his business, sold his house, sold his house in the village, borrowed money to pay ransom to bring him out. So when the man came out, he said, what's he going to do? Such a man, if care is not taken, do you know that humanity would go from him? Are you getting it? And that's what adversity brings on people. It makes them, you know, just take away God from the equation. These women said, let's do this. Eat my son today, a woman, not man. If they said two fathers, it is bad. If they said two women, it's not comprehensible. Where is God? Those women must have said, a head of a donkey sold for this. Yeah, can't, there, there is no God. We are left on our own. The fundamental of faith is, no matter what happens, God is. Are you with me? No matter what you're going through, sir, God is. No matter what you have gone through, God is. No matter if you take this principle and pass it through all the stories in the Bible, you begin to see how men succeeded. Because how else could a man like Daniel, or a boy like Daniel, sorry, get into Babylon and in that situation say, I will still obey God. I will still honor God. I will not defile myself. Daniel went into Babylon as a captive. He didn't go on vacation. He didn't go to study abroad. He was captured. But in that situation in Babylon, Daniel said, God is. Are you with me? Joseph was sold by his, not cousins, his older brothers. I'm the last amongst my brothers. They spoil me. Older brothers spoil their younger ones. But this one was sold. But in that situation, if Joseph for one moment 
said, where is God? And said, God has abandoned me. His story, you won't hear it. I won't hear it. But somehow, he said, God is. Let me hear somebody say, God is. In Nigeria, God is. You civil servant, God is. Everywhere you're working, God is. The fundamental of faith, God is. The follow-up to faith is that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And you know what? The devil passes many of us in that. So even the demons, they know that one too. The only difference is that they don't seek him. They have been banished from seeking him. They can't find him. The second way, the follow-up, very important, is that God what, is a rewarder. When you have those two, there is no situation that you find yourself in that you can't have a turnaround. When you have those two, child of God, that God is, which means he sees everything that is happening. He knows everything that has happened. He watched everything that happened. He understands everything that happened. On, on Wednesday, we made a statement here. Okay. He said, many times people say, sorry, I, I know how you feel. The truth is that no human being knows how you feel. Nobody knows how you feel. But there is somebody who knows how you feel. The Bible says, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of your infirmities. Why? He says he was in all points. Physical, emotional, in all points, tempted. So he has experienced everything. He is the one who is making intercessions for you. And he is the one that said, I will not allow you to be what? Tempted beyond what you can bear. That is the God you have. So no matter the situation, child of God, God is. Now what the Bible says in that Genesis 1-2 that we referred to. Verse 2 of it said something there. It says the earth was null and void and, you know, darkness covered the face of the deep. The second statement there, and everybody read it for me. It says, and what? And the spirit of God was what? Child of God, that is what is happening everywhere. No matter how dark a situation is, the spirit of God is always hovering. You know, sometimes we read the Bible and the Holy Spirit, you know, just... Gives you a little assignment. So he said, check the word hovering. Some translations say brooded over. Some translations says brooding over. The word hovering, I'm sure we know what it means, you know. But it simply means, in another sense, stay close. So you are in that darkness. And you're feeling all alone. But the Holy Spirit is what? Close by. Hallelujah, somebody. The Holy Spirit is what? Hovering. He's close by. He's close by. In other words, when you check brood, the, the translations that use brood, I think message use brooded and amplified. Brood means, what does, what does a chicken do? It broods over to what? To create an environment for life to come. So no matter the situation, the Holy Spirit is what? Is brooding over, trying to bring life out of that situation. But God does not walk without cooperation. That's why you have to believe that he is. That's why you have to believe that he's a rewarder. Goliath was standing until David came. What did David used to bring him down? A hammer. Guinea. Where did they fetch the stone from? Everyone standing had a stone under him. It meant that everyone in that army could have brought Goliath down. You know why? Omnipotence needs no potency. That is God. 
Everybody had access to the stone. To a stone. To stones. But nobody felt that uh -uh, this uncircumcised Philistine. We're just take him away in the name of the Lord. That's why the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God. So the pulling down of strongholds and casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself, that is that where the fight is. Trying to let you know that this situation, don't call God again. Haba, you know this, sickness, this type of sickness? Do you know the statistics? This type of situation? Nobody comes out of it. And all of a sudden, you can't even pray. You can't even have faith. You can't even expect anything again. Why? Because in the first place, it happened. So where was God when it happened? He inhabits eternity. Now, let, let, let me try and explain a bit of eternity to you, okay? Holy Spirit helping us. You see, eternity is like um, um, in the days where they watched um, movies in VHS. When you hold the VHS cassette, you have in that VHS cassette the trailer to the movie, the beginning of the movie. You have the acknowledgement. You have when the movie star was caught. You also have when he was released. You even have, sometimes you have the making of the movie. In that DHS, when you slot it in, you can fast forward it anywhere. You can rewind it everywhere. You can put slow motion. You can put times three and then it runs fast. You can put times half and then they start going like this. Why? Because you're holding it. God inhabits eternity. And because he knows he's in control, he's not afraid of what is happening. Why? Because at the end, he stands. He's Alpha and Omega. Are you listening to me, somebody? So, what, what goes on is this. We find a situation, just like we saw in this room. It begins to create the fact is that there was a famine. But the responses of the people, we remain responsible for our responses. Okay? That's why the theme for the governor's, the men's fellowship program was blameless. You have to strive. That in this situation, I'm not, why? Because we look at this, our text now, we see a few things. We see that the king, when they, they ask the question, the king in verse 27, please, in our text, 2 Kings 6. The king said to the woman, he said, if the Lord does not help you, where can I find help from you, for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Okay, so this king knew that God could help. Praise the Lord. It's not his responsibility to find help. So this was an irresponsible king. He was not blameless. He could have done something. He was a negligent king. The king was irresponsible and negligent. He said, if the Lord doesn't help you, where is help going to come from you? And you will see as the story goes on, the man needed to act whether right or wrong. He needed to take a step for the solution to come. We read on in the story. The responses of people. Then we see woman one. We've mentioned this woman. This first woman was the one who came to make the report. And the woman said, verse 28. He said, it must have been her friend or her neighbor or somebody. This woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today. And we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we bowed my son. Brothers and sisters, I want to ask you. Please, how you... How do you define this woman? What do you call her? So we bored my son. I think the woman was immoral. I mean, she just must have had no 
you know, no capacity for morality. Okay? And I think she must have been depraved. Something really was, you know, wrong with her. Right? That's woman one. That she's that bad. But I, I want to ask the group who didn't answer the first question. Woman two, what, how do you describe that one? No, not just that. The other woman was the mumu. Eh? This second woman is indescribable. Devil has competition. Do you understand? So she planned. When she was saying it, she knew it wasn't good to kill her son. There are people like that in this world. They are crafty people. There are people who, people who play the devil. That's beat him on his game. She hid her son. So by her action, she was saying killing of your son is wicked. So she won't kill her son. Probably she'll find another woman and broker the same deal with. I tried to put a description to her. I couldn't find her. I just put question mark. May God deliver us from such people. In the name of Jesus. Okay? But what we see here is there's something about that woman that may be positive. Is that she felt this thing is not that bad. You know, when hope is gone, nothing else remains. She must have felt, my son and I will survive. The woman that gave her son must have felt, well, we're going to die anyway. She had given up. But this bad woman said, somehow, 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 we're going to make it. Now, we are saying, waiting on God. This woman was waiting like the Bible says of the spider. It says it's out of its own resources that it brings out the web that it creates. This woman had that as positive. And that's where I want you to pick it from. Because God is, nobody can say it's over until God says what? It is over. Because God is. You see, the way our world is designed, it is like the wheel. You know, the, the tires of your car, the wheels of any, anything that has a wheel. The way it turns is that if it's stationary, you can say this is the top. This is the bottom, right? But all it takes is a little motion and everything will be different. And that little motion, it doesn't take God anything to bring it about. Praise the Lord, somebody. So, so we see in this our text that when they met the king, uh, uh, the, the king said to them in verse 33, he said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. And I, I want us to also probe that question because th- this morning I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to help us with questions, you know, to answer a few things. This calamity, verse 33, the king says, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Now, is this king right by this statement? Is it from the Lord? Is the calamity from the Lord? What do you think? Is our situation in Nigeria from the Lord? What do you think? What's your judgment? Now, I may not be able to answer the one for Nigeria straight out, but the one in this scripture I can answer. God had actually told the people of Israel, you know, we know Deuteronomy 28. These blessings will pursue you and overtake you when you obey. But unfortunately, we preachers don't teach you that it says what? These curses will pursue and overtake when you disobey. God had actually told them that if you continue progressively not to hear my voice, it will get to the point where the most delicate, the most sophisticated of you women will eat the placenta of the babies that you deliver and eat your own children. So God said it. But is it God that caused it? No, it's the word, it's the pattern. 
that the choices they made that brought it there. So when the king says, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Yes, to some extent. But they couldn't, they, it was their choice that brought it. So the Bible says there, verse, um, where, where, where does this say to us? It says in Isaiah 45, please, you can put it for us, Isaiah 45. So we understand and see the, the greatness, the ex, ex, how, how awesome, Isaiah 45, 5 to 7, please. You see what God begins to talk about himself here. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. He said, there is no God besides me. He says, I will get thee though you have not known me. Six, I'm going to seven. He says that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. And verse seven says what? I form the light and I create darkness. I make peace and I create what? He says, the Lord do all these things. In essence, what this is trying to communicate to you and I is that God is still in charge. Praise the Lord. God is still in charge. And instead of that creating questions and leading you astray, it should tell you that he can also turn it off anytime. If he started without his permission, he would need permission to stop it. But if he's the one that said, okay, I allow you, that means the moment he says it's over, it has to be over. That's why in this account, when the prophet said tomorrow by this time, there was no board meeting to plan how to execute it. They were talking in the night. And God said, tomorrow, tell them tomorrow by this time. This is what is going to be happening. Why? Because God is completely in charge. And this is what faith is. Somebody who came to church, infirm, sick, whatever, you're watching. That situation, tomorrow by this time, God, your father, can change it. Will you believe him? It's nothing to him. We've learned some time here. That God has no opponent really. Praise the Lord. No, God has no opponent. Imagine if there were uh, uh, maybe boxers or wrestlers or you know whatever. And there was a fight to be fought. And then I come out. And then they bring you know children from our light bearers. They bring one four year old. You know they bring a chicken so that does one hand press up. You see all of those children can never be my opponent. Because when they want to start the fight. They will call me. When I enter the scale, scale will read 100 and... I will come out. Then they will say my opponent, enter. Then Chigans will enter. It will read 40. They say he can't fight him. Another one rent enter. It will read 35. They say he can't fight Another one will enter. You know why? God has no mate to fight him. God has no opponent. Not even the devil. Is somebody getting... There's nobody on his class. That's why Jesus wept over his people. He says, how often I had wanted to gather you, but you would not. It's not that the enemy is strong. It's that we are strong-headed. May God give us willing hearts. If we are willing and obedient, what happens? We eat the good. It doesn't matter what the enemy is doing. Praise the Lord. Now, for this nation, for Israel at this time, that was what they, they, it was the result of their continuous pervasive disobedience and rebellion against the word of God. Now, for us as a nation, many years ago, God gave us the word and said to us, the land Nigeria is a good land, but they are what? Giants. He said, if the Lord delights in us, he will give us the land. Isn't that what he said to us? I want to ask you, if you are the Lord, will you delight in the behavior of most Nigerians? It's not a big deal. 
The, the people who are against us, the people who are doing the evil things in Nigeria, they're not that strong. It's just that the people who are doing it against are not delighting the Lord. And that's why we're learning this, because the response to most people is wickedness and more wickedness, meanness and more meanness. So people are lowering their standards. People are becoming less and less blameless because the days are evil. But that can never help you out of the situation because God is the umpire. Are you with me? And God, like the fathers of those days, like the teachers of those days, the parents of those days, are more hard on his children than the people outside. You know, in those days, if you fought with a child outside and your father saw you, he doesn't beat the child. He just sends the child gone. You know why? The future of the child will not bring shame on him. When he takes you home, he will help you stay inside the house, like our people say, and see the market. By the time he has touched you, touched you, you'll be looking at this, uh, this ceiling like this. You'll be seeing sun, moon, stars, all kinds of things. Why? Because he's interested in you. Is somebody getting it? So when we have an issue with the wicked, with the unrighteous, with the uncircumcised, and with the rest of them, God does not bring them to the standard he charges us. Why? Because we know better. We have received grace. We have received mercy. We are his children. There is a behavior that is expected of us. Is somebody getting what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about here? So, for us as a people, we must wake ourselves up that our God is. Where is he? He is. He's seen everything. Many years ago, I remember the first time they kidnapped somebody from church. I think it was somewhere in the east, maybe or where or somewhere. I couldn't understand it. That we're talking about almost 16 years ago, many years ago. Church kidnapped somebody. But you see, when church also, people who you know that the sources of your wealth are not explainable, are also honored in church. When church has become where, you know, all kinds of things go on and it doesn't raise, you know, everybody just thinks, it's, you know, if, you're, if you have money, God has blessed you. When that has become what it is, what do you expect? The Bible says, do not give place to the devil. Bibles have a saying that the person who brings the stick that is rotten, is it? That, that brings a, he, he brings an ant infested stick into the house, has invited lizards for breakfast. That's what it is. So if the holy house, the Bible says the church is to be the pillar and ground of truth. But when we have started condoning and covering and excusing all kinds of things, then it can no longer be the pillar and ground of truth. So whatever comes in with it, what does the Lord do? Praise the Lord, somebody. So our text continues, and the king said what he said, and the prophet prophesied and says, tomorrow about this time, this is what is going to happen. He said, a sea of fine flour is going to be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. And verse 2 of 2 Kings 7 said, An office on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Hallelujah. I want to tell you about, a bit about this man. He says he's an office on whose hand the king leaned. So he must have been a reliable, a dependable officer to this king. I want to tell you about this man because I want to help myself and you and the Christians in this nation. You see, failure of duty, the religion of duty does not stop at failure of duty. Let me explain. You see, when I'm supposed to take one step and I don't take it, okay, my fault or my failure doesn't wait there. 
it compounds, it bears compound interest. This man, this office on, whom the, on whose hand the king lived, was the one that heaven had planned would say to the king, let's even launch an expedition and see what is happening in the camp of the Syrians. Is someone with me? This man was the one that was supposed to do what the lepers did. But because he was such a failure, instead of even suggesting to the king, can we make a move? What he immediately raised was what? An objection. This is what happens when you listen to people or you talk to people. They always refuse everything. Why? Because there are areas of unbelief strong in their hearts. So they don't make room for God to even come in again. I don't know if someone is understanding me. Where the officer's assignment is not done, God will always have an option. But for that officer, what happens is an immediate deployment. And it's not deployment from office A to B. You saw what the prophet said. Say you will do what? See it, but you will not eat of it. Why? Because this officer was the one, if you read on in the story because of time, when you go home, you see that finally, when the lepers had gone and been used to do what was done, they came back. It was this man and the king that said, okay, let's send men. Let them go and investigate. They were supposed to have been the ones who would have said, let's even launch, you know, a spy. Let, let's send spies out and see what is going on. Let's see how we can even confront these people. Why? Because God will fight for us. God will make a way. But because he had already been in the place of disobedience, the only thing that he could build upon it was excuses and all kinds of difficulties. And we are not far from it as a nation because many people have failed us as a nation. When you hear them respond to our challenges, you just see that mm -mm, one of our brothers, a fellow brother, I think he's a pastor, said to the Benue people, which one is better? He said to keep your land and die. Because he has failed in his other duty. But people of God, the God we serve is never held to ransom. Four lepers. Let me say four lepers. The moment that officer was delisted from the record that God was considering, he found four lepers and said to them, I know you can't run. I know you can't ride a horse. I know you can't do anything, but go to the camp of the Syrians. And they probably drag themselves. You know how lepers would move, you know, with difficulty, maybe limbs and feet and all of that already melted and all of that. And as they did that, God caused the camp of the Syrians, what they heard, they said, it's the army. They said the armies of the Egyptians, the kings of the Egyptians, the kings of, of or what, the Hittites, not one who, that's what they had for. You know why? Because when the omnipotent God finds you willing, it's unbelievable what he can accomplish through you. Let's rise on our faith. When he finds you willing, when he finds you eager, when he finds you yielded, when he finds you submitted, when he finds a believing heart, when he finds somebody that wants to go in his direction, listen to me, child of God. God says, my eyes are running to and fro. I'm in eternity. Yes. But in time, my eyes are running to and fro. And I'm searching for the one who is saying, come Lord. For the one who is saying, use me Lord. For the one who is saying, enough of this. And he said, if I find him. <laughs> he said, if I find him, I will show myself what's strong. All of a sudden, you know that God is. Brethren, the story we are reading 
is replicated throughout the Bible. We saw it in Joseph. God is always willing to act. We do not have a God who is unmindful. He's not insensitive. God knows. But in that situation, will you lift up your heart and bring a coordination so that heaven can find a woman on earth? So that heaven can find a man. The Bible said concerning Deborah, it said village life ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose. God had been standing all the while. A man did not stand. The king did not stand. When a woman stood, God moved. Is somebody here saying to God, in this nation today, in my family today, in my circumstance today, Lord, I know you are. I'm no longer asking that question. I pray that question has been answered for you. Where is God? He inhabits eternity. He dwells in the high and holy place. He also lives in the heart of those whose hearts are contrite. Your heart is breaking. Some place he writes, he says, send the angel. Let him go through the streets of Jerusalem. And let him put a mark on as many as sigh and mourn over the condition of this place. Are you here today? And the condition of Nigeria breaks my heart. But I don't even, I'm not bothered with the wicked. I'm bothered about me and you, the Christians. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are bothered about us because God will not deliver us by the hands of the Fulanese and the people who are killing us. He'll find a man amongst us. He'll find a woman amongst us. He'll find people amongst us who will say no more. He'll find somebody that will reverse wickedness. They'll say, ah, Nigeria is bad. Let's do this. They say, Nigeria is bad. Let's turn it around. A lot of us work in offices and we're just, we're, we're trying to help Dr. Tonozo to do something. Copyright. He wrote books to get copyright. People of God. Impossible to do it without settlement. Impossible. Because when those people sit in the offices, they probably earn 60000 a month. And 60000 hasn't handled just well and electricity. So how do you tell them? That you bring your this thing and it will pass like that. They won't let it pass. They will stamp on it. So dogs begin to eat dogs. But the people are rising. Who are saying thus far and no more. Who are saying I believe God. Who are saying God is. And I will seek him. In this situation I will look for him. In this circumstance, I will trust him. Is somebody opening up his heart and just speak silently? I don't know. You came to church today. So I know I'm talking about you. You know the meditations of your heart. You know the analysis of your heart. And God sent me to tell you that he is. That's the fundamental. He's in that situation. He knows exactly everything that is going on there. Somebody needs to be a whistleblower. Somebody needs to shout out and say, I can't take this anymore. I don't know if you watched the lady on television in Russia, Russia television, that ran in the middle of a broadcast and said, Putin, this war is wrong, this war is wrong. Did any of us saw it? Has anybody done that in Nigeria? Has any of our government officials done that? Don't they know it's wrong? Don't they know things are terrible? Brethren, God is. And God is looking. God is searching. And somebody might be here and say, Pastor, tell them, tell the people in government. These two women were not in government. But their wickedness, if they were in government, it would have been worse. They would have eaten up everybody by the time deliverance was coming. Wickedness is everywhere. I want you to ask the Lord, change my heart. Because he says, I dwell with him that has a contrite spirit. 
Lord, give me a heart that you can walk with. Change my heart. Let me even make my home an oasis. You're a man here. There are troubles everywhere. Why, why are you troubling your wife? Why can't your wife find peace? Why can't your wife come home, your children come home? And imagine they don't live in Nigeria because of the way you behave. Why can't you say, woman, make that environment heaven for that family? Is someone hearing me? You see, there are so many things there because of time I have to shut out. But we see the woman. It was the next day after their own happened that deliverance came. Can somebody say, Lord, flow through me. Lord, heal through me. Lord, bless through me. Lord, uphold through me. Lord, make me a messenger of peace. There's a song that says, where there is darkness, Lord, send me as light. Where, where there is pain, let me bring healing. Can, is somebody understanding the message the Lord is bringing to us here? God is. God is. Let me bring faith. Let me bring encouragement. Let me bring unity. Let me stop tribalism. Let me stop nepotism. Let me stop injustice. Let me stop the separation. Let love flow through me. Let God flow through me. Let the light and the life of God find expression through me. Lord, I invite you into my heart. I welcome you. And today is Thanksgiving. And the Lord was saying to me, how do you Give thanks to somebody who has everything. He said you honor him. If I do something for you now and you bring something, maybe it might be something I need. What do you bring to the Lord that he needs? Say you honor him. You respect him. You reverence him. You say it's him. Yes, that's part of it. You testify. You worship him. Then you know the greatest part? You give you to him. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you. Lord will bless you. Okay, we're going to pray. Come with me to Psalm 18. I need to just try and stop this. You know, but, but there's a prayer I want us to pray. And then trusting God to help us. At, and you know. <clears throat> Come with me to Psalm 18, verse 28. If I had time, I would have taken it from, go back a bit. But it's okay. It says, for you, O Lord, will light my lamp. The Lord my God will do what? will enlighten my darkness. 29 says, for by you, I can run against a troop. He said, for by my God, I can leap over a wall. I don't know what the challenge is facing you are today, but this is a testimony of David. And it can be your testimony. Go on. The next verse, 30 says, it says, his God, his way is what? Perfect. So I know something is going to come out. He will be glorified. The word of the Lord you've heard is what? It's proven. He said he's what? A shield to all who trust in him. I want you to go to the Lord. Say, Lord, lighten my darkness. Lighten my darkness. Answer for me. Wipe my tears. Lord, raise my head. Answer my adversaries. Clarify to men that only you are God. Yes, Lord. Pray that prayer sincerely. And I can assure you, Jehovah, the mighty God. The Bible says this prayer was what David sang after he was delivered from the hands of all his enemies. He said, for you, O Lord, will lighten my love. You will enlighten my darkness. The doubts, the, the embarrassing, the difficulties, the heavy burdens. O Lord, and now I want you to please put our nation in that prayer now. Say, Lord, 
Let your light arise upon this nation. Let your light rise upon this nation. Let your light in us. Let darkness cease to cover our country. Let death not be the normal news. Today when you listen, you see four here, 15 here, 27 here. And all of that is killed. The story can be different. I say the story can be different. Let us cry to the Lord. Lord, enlighten our darkness. Let's send your wind, O Lord. And roll away evil from us. Drive it away. As smoke is driven away by the wind. Drive away this dark situation in our country. As wax melts before the fire. Melt away this unfortunate evil scenario in our nation. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. As a people, we acknowledge that you are. You are God. Intervene, O Lord. Arise, O Lord. Let your enemies be scattered. Let your mercy be seen upon this nation. Let the people say their God had done great things for them. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, somebody. Can we put our hands together as we celebrate the Lord? You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.